1570 WTBN Pinellas Park, 100.3 W262CP Bayonet Point. Online at portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. You hear sermon after sermon. I mean, I know Christians who have gone through the book of Romans, and yet they don't know what the book of Romans is all about. They've gone through it as far as sermons. If you've been in church for any length of time listening to exposition, you ought to know the Bible. You ought to know the Bible better than somebody who goes to Bible college. Because Bible college is only three or four years, but if you've been around a while, you ought to know the Bible better than someone in Bible college. How come that's not the case? I know that's not the case. How come that's not the case? Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will help us answer that question as he continues his sermon in this series about biblical revival. Our main text is Nehemiah chapter 8. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. It's probably a universal truth that we don't get as much from sermons as we ought to. But if we listen carefully to this one, perhaps we'll get more from the next one. And the nice thing about Verse by Verse is that you can always listen again on our website. I'll tell you how to do that at the end of this lesson. Here's Pastor Steve now to continue the message we started in our last class. This is what we said last time as we studied this. We're looking at the mechanics of of grasping the message. If you want the Bible to have a lasting impact on your life, the first way to approach it, we said there are three ways to approach it. The first way is listen. You've got to listen, and that takes some work. That takes some work. I told you about the little boy at Lakeside Christian School who said to me, how do you know they're listening? And I said, I don't. They look at me like they are, but I don't. I really don't know. But God knows. And you cannot understand if you don't listen. So we listen. With an attitude of expecting to hear God speak, we come to church. Remember the people of Nehemiah's day listened for about five or six hours It says in verse 3 that from uh, the crack of dawn to midday, which would have been, uh, depending on when there was sunrise at that time of the year, would have been five or six hours. And it said that they stood for that time and they listened to the word of God. They had a great expectation that God speaks through his word. So they listened. The second way now to approach the Bible is to that when it has a lasting impact on you. That's what we're talking about. A lasting impact is to understand the word of God. Let's look at verse 7. And uh, Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatiah, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peliah and the Levites explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. Now, what this verse reveals is that there were 13 men from the tribe of Levi. These were the Levites who helped the people that day to understand what Ezra was reading to them. That's really all this verse is saying. Ezra, it says, it translates in my, in my version, a podium, but we said literally it was a platform. He was on an elevated platform. He was reading the Torah, the, the five books of Moses, to the people 
from morning until mid-afternoon, maybe just concentrating on sections, maybe just concentrating on Deuteronomy. Uh, We're not told exactly. But then there were 13 Levites who helped him. Now, we're not told how they explained the word to the people. We're, We're not told that. But most likely it was like this. Most likely they were stationed at different uh, points in the crowd. And as Ezra read from the various sections in the law, these Levites must have circulated amongst the people and explained the interpretation to them. Now, you may think this, this wasn't that difficult a task. It was very, very difficult. And let me explain why. It was a lot harder than it might appear at first. Notice verse 8. And they read, meaning I take it, Ezra and the Levites, they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. So here you have these Levites who explained the word of God and translated it to the people. Doesn't that strike you a little, little odd? It says translating in my version, in the King James Version says distinctly, so it's the same thought. They translated in a distinct manner. They made it clear to the people. Now, why? Why would the Levites, these men, have to translate the scriptures to these people? After all, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. These are the Hebrews. Why would they need a translation? I'll tell you, because these people had returned from exile. These people had been in exile for 70 years. Some of them had, had uh, been born in exile, and they didn't know their mother tongue as well. Uh, they knew an, uh, there was another dialect that was similar to Hebrew, but not exact, and it's called Aramaic. Not Arabic, but Aramaic. Jesus spoke Aramaic in New Testament times. So the younger generation hadn't been exposed to much Hebrew in Babylon. Also, there was intermarriage, and they would have lost uh, a, a feel for the Hebrew tongue. And so um, they needed a translator. In fact, if you look at Nehemiah chapter 13, towards the end of this book, you'll see that they really didn't know Hebrew that well. In chapter 13, verse 23, In those days, Nehemiah said, I saw also that the Jews had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. And uh, as for their children, half spoken the language of Ashdod, and none of them was able to speak the language of Judah, it means Hebrew, but the language of his own people. So you understand that was the, that was the, the reason. They spoke either Aramaic or maybe a Babylonish um, tongue or something else, and they needed someone to translate to them the word of God. So, so here's the picture. Imagine it with me. Here's a crowd of thousands of Jewish people standing be, before Ezra. As you put together the previous chapter, chapter 7, especially verses 66 and 67, we estimate there had to be at least 50,000 people. So it's like a stadium on opening day. 50,000 people before Ezra. Ezra's above them on a wooden platform. As Ezra reads from the law of Moses, he then pauses He reads a section, then he stops. The 13 Levites, these men who were stationed throughout the crowd, they begin to turn to to sections of people, and they ask the people around them, did you understand that? Did you understand what he just read? Do you need me to translate it and explain it? Yes, I don't understand this. Okay, then they translate the passage into Aramaic, and then they explain it 
to the people so they understand the meaning of the law. In other words, they translate the Bible, and at the same time, they convey the true meaning of the text. That's the picture. That's what's going on. And the result was, notice, verse 8, the end, it says they, tra- they were translating to give the sense so that what? They understood the reading. They understood it. That's the important thing that I want you to see. These people, the Jewish people, now understood it because they had it translated in the language they understood best, and they had it explained to them. Now, it brings us to a very, very interesting question. How come we, as 20th century Bible-believing evangelicals, don't understand the Bible like we should? How come? You hear sermon after sermon. I mean, I know Christians who have gone through the book of Romans, and yet they don't know what the book of Romans is all about. They've gone through it as far as sermons. If you've been in church for any length of time listening to exposition, you ought to know the Bible. You ought to know the Bible better than somebody who goes to Bible college. Because Bible college is only three or four years, but if you've been around a while, you ought to know the Bible better than someone in Bible college. How come that's not the case? I know that's not the case. How come that's not the case? We don't get much out of, out of sermons. After all, do you realize that in our day and age, how many scholars God has raised up, modern day Levites, who have translated the Old and New Testaments? They know the Hebrew, they know the Greek, they've translated it for us into uh, some modern translations that are very helpful for us. We have more than 13 men who can translate it. We've got many good scholars, and we can purchase these translations, and we can learn from them, and we can buy the books that these men write, commentaries, and we can learn the Word of God, and yet we don't know it that well. We don't know it that well. There are so many of us who are ignorant of the Word. Why why is this? I mean, that's really an important question. Well, you know what? Nehemiah does not answer that for us. But somebody else did in the New Testament. Jesus did. And I, I want from here on to have you turn to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus answered that question for us, at least in part, in Matthew chapter 13 as to why some of us may be hindered in our understanding of the Word of God. Now, Matthew 13, in Matthew 13, Jesus gave a parable. We're not going back to Nehemiah. We're going in Matthew 13, so you should turn there. Jesus gave a parable about a man who went out and he sowed some seed on various fields. Each of these fields in the parable, parable of the sower, it's called, represents a condition of the human heart. There are three conditions of the human heart that uh, represent unbelief. One condition represents belief. And uh, all, of them in, all of them speak about receptiveness of the human heart to the Word of God or a lack of receptiveness to the Word of God. Jesus said in this parable that the seed was the Word of God. He explained it. So we don't even have to interpret that and take a guess at it. Jesus said the seed is the Word of God. The sower is the one who spreads the Word of God. So let me read the parable to you, and I want, I want us to take a closer look at it in order to gain insight as to why you and I may have trouble understanding the Bible. Okay? Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. On that day, Jesus went out to the sea and was sitting by the sea, and the great multitudes gathered to him so that he, gave, he went into a boat and he sat down, and the whole multitude was standing on the beach, and he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. 
And others fell upon the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. So when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and and choked them out. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some hundreds, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear." Now, in context, I want to explain so we don't take this out of context. In context, the parable is really talking about why non-Christians are not receptive to God's word. But I think there's some key principles here that apply to us. I understand the context, and we don't want to stretch these, uh, these truths beyond where we should stretch them. But it also gives us some insight as to why some of us as believers are hindered in our understanding of the word of God. In other words, these hindrances to understanding the word characterize unbelievers, but they also plague believers. Now, you may say, what do you mean about understanding? Let me show you something. Verse 19, as Jesus explains it, verse 19 and verse 23 are helpful. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. Then notice verse 23, and the one on whom the seed was sown on good soil is the man who hears the word and what? He understands it. So somehow, receiving the word, applying it to your life, and understanding it are tied together. So what I said is these hindrances to understanding are characterize unbelievers. All unbelievers have this kind of uh, uh, hindrances. But believers have some of this too. We're plagued by these same principles. It may not characterize us, but we're plagued by them. So understanding is related to what we do with the word of God. So what is it that hinders you, that hinders me from understanding God's word? There are three things, three things that may hinder you. These may uh, convict you, they may bite at you, but let's receive the truth. Number one, a hard-hearted hearer of the truth. You may be hard-hearted as you hear the word of God. Verse 19 again, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed has been sown beside the road. Jesus said, this is a hard-hearted person. He does not let the word of God penetrate. When the Bible falls upon a heart that is hard, like hard-packed soil, that's what he's talking about. The sower would sow some seed and it would, land upon, uh, it would land upon the ground that had been packed solid. People just walking over. They didn't have paved roads like we did. So if you walk over dirt over and over and over again, it becomes like it's paved. It becomes like cement. It's hard. And if the seed falls there, it can't penetrate. It can't go beneath the surface because it's, it's hard. So he says that some of us are, have hearts that are like hard-packed soil besides a road. It won't penetrate. What is he saying? Quite frankly, one reason some of us don't understand much about the Bible, though we have heard it taught for years, is not because we're, we're uh, ignorant, is not because our IQs are not good, is not because the preacher is too deep. It's because we resist the very truths that we hear. There are some people who just resist the truth. Usually, though, they wouldn't say that. They'd they'd come up with some other things. But there are some people who are just thick about something. Have you ever had that in your experience? I mean, apart from a sermon, you're trying to explain something to somebody about the Word of God, even a believer. We're talking about a believer. 
And uh, you realize you've said this so many times that you're becoming obnoxious. Why is it that that other person can't grasp it? Is there some mental deficiency? No, I don't think so. It's a hardness of heart. They do not understand it because they will not obey it. They will not obey it. And they sometimes are defensive about it. Why? Because it convicts them and they will not respond to that conviction. That's a hard heart. There are some of us who have hard hearts. Like uh, could be, for example, a wife who resists the truth of submission to a husband who won't take leadership in the home. And you say it over and over and over again. But what about the famous, but what about that type of thing? Or a husband who resists the truth about loving his wife, sacrificing for her because he's determined to be a dictator. No matter how many times you say it, he's not going to do it. And he doesn't comprehend it. He's like a spiritual idiot. And the reason is because he won't receive it. He has a hard heart. Or a young man resisting truth about sexual purity because he's unwilling to deal with that sin in his life. And it goes on and on. I just used a few. It could be someone who has a hard time with election. Because if they believe in election, they have to believe God is completely sovereign. If God is completely sovereign, they don't understand everything about how things operate and they resist that. And then if there was an accident, you mean God allowed this? God God put this in my life? Yes. Oh, that's not what I want to believe about God. Well, that, that could be a hard-heartedness. So it's very important that we understand this. Listen, the way to understand the Bible is to have a wide-open heart, a heart that's wide open to, to all of the Word of God, regardless of how convicting it is, regardless of your situation or your sinfulness. And if you don't come to church with a heart that's wide open, then you are going to resist the truth, no matter how many times it's spoken. No matter how many times it's spoken. Someone said this, a heart, we need a heart that's unprotected from the thrust of the Spirit's Word. You don't want to protect yourself. You don't want to be defensive. You want a heart that's unprotected from the thrust of the Spirit's Sword. The sword of the Spirit. Listen, if you're having trouble understanding the Bible, then it may be that you're just holding on to sin and therefore you will not receive the truth. It's a heart condition, spiritual heart condition. You won't understand it. And, and, and here's an important principle. The Holy Spirit will not illuminate it to you if you are not willing to obey He will not illuminate the word of God to you unless you are willing to obey it. You say, well, where did you come up with that? Well, I invented it. No, I have a scripture for it. John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 17, a great verse. Jesus said, if any man is willing to do his will, that is the Father's will, he shall know of the teaching, whether it's of God or whether I speak from myself. Jesus said, hey, if you have an open heart, you'll know the truth. Because... God will not illuminate your heart if you're not willing to obey. The Lord's not not dealing with theories. He doesn't illuminate our minds so we disobey. He gives us understanding when he knows we're ready to obey. So what we need to do is ask God. Each of us needs to ask God, is there anything, Lord, in your word that I'm not open to? Is there something, maybe I'm missing it. Is there something that I'm defensive on? Is there something that that I keep hearing and uh, I, I seem to have a problem with? Is there some sin in my life that I'm holding on to and I'm not willing to obey? Something that's that's impeding my understanding. Why is it that I'm thick towards some things? Is it that everybody else is wrong? And, And that could be. 
That could be. Could be that you're right. Or could it be that this is clearly the word of God, but I can't receive it because I've got a hardness of heart. The word won't penetrate because there is a thickness like packed soil. So that may be one reason why when you listen to a sermon, you're not getting much out of it. It may be sin in your life. There's a second reason that Jesus gives for a lack of understanding, and that is not only a hard-hearted hearer, but a superficial-hearted hearer. One who's superficial. Notice verses 20 and 21. And the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but it is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Warren Wiersbe in his book on parables explains the cultural background of this type of soil. I quote, the soil in Palestine lies on a thick layer of limestone where the soil is thin. The roots of a germinating seed cannot go very far. As a result, the shoot springs up quickly, but there is no root system to sustain the plant. No roots mean no water. When the sun comes up, the shoot is scorched and dies. Jesus is referring now to somebody who makes a a profession of faith in Christ, but it's merely a profession. They never counted the cost of discipleship. Uh, They were thrilled, like like the person said, how many want to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hand, okay, pray a prayer after me, and you'll go to heaven. I believe that you died for me. I mean, it goes no further than that. It never deals with sin, never deals with repentance, uh, never deals with true, genuine submission to Jesus Christ. Uh, This person is one who, uh, he really doesn't resist the truth. He doesn't resist the truth because he doesn't know enough of the truth to resist it. If he knew all the implications of the real gospel, he would reject it. And when it says he falls away, it doesn't mean he loses his salvation. He falls away from even a false profession of faith. He doesn't even claim now when persecution comes and affliction comes to believe uh, that, that he's a Christian. Now, that's an unbeliever, but this same spirit, this superficial shallowness with the word also affects believers. It's found in some believers. And it hinders us from understanding the word of God. What do I mean by this? The superficial hearer listens to a sermon and hears something that gets his attention. He perks up. He listens to it. He receives that. He gets excited about it. And, uh, and, and uh, he gets excited about what he hears, and he starts out to joyfully do what he's just heard to obey. And he's on the road to obedience until opposition comes, and it will come. He's on the road until he hits a problem, until he's discouraged, until he realizes that this truth demands commitment, and it demands discipline. And it's a man's pursuing of righteousness and perseverance. And you know what? It it demands a lot of energy and determination. And that's when he says, I've had it. I quit. I didn't realize it was like this. I just thought I would do this, this, this. Well, he just thought wrong. He was superficial. He was shallow. You see, he only wanted a casual acquaintance with the truth. You can't have a casual acquaintance with the truth and understand it. The truth has serious implications. The word of God, you, you, can't, you can't approach it like you might a, a hobby. You, you can't do that or a hobby that you really aren't serious about. This is beyond a casual hobby. Years ago, a Russian exile was quoted as saying, In Russia, Christians are tested by hardship. But in America, you're tested by freedom. And testing by freedom is much harder. 
Nobody pressures you about your religion, so you relax and are not so concentrated on Christ, on his teaching, and how he wants you to live. End of quote. That's pretty true, isn't it? But there is nevertheless a very real cost to being relaxed about our faith. We become, as the old saying goes, fat, dumb, and happy until a spiritual or emotional crisis or test comes our way. Then we become fat, dumb, and defeated. Well, maybe miserable, too. We'll hear about the hard work required for spiritual growth on the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff wraps up his second sermon in this series of messages about the characteristics of biblical revival. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Find out more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com or call the office at 727-441-1714. While Verse by Verse is a ministry of Lakeside, we are very much a listener-supported ministry. We need the prayers and the gifts of listeners like you in order to fully cover the expenses involved with producing and airing these radio Bible classes. If you're one of those generous listeners already, I hope you know that we are very grateful. And if you'd like to become a supporter, we make that simple and secure through the giving page at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Another way to give is by phone. Just call the number I already mentioned, 727-441-1714. Another feature on our website is the message archive page. There are hundreds of previous broadcasts available. 